Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on The Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. And coming up in just a little while, I want to talk to you about something that just got bashed in the New York Times. And it's something that I had actually talked about as a viable alternative for you for part-time work from your home. I want to tell you how to make it work for you, not work against you like the New York Times says it does. So I'm so careful how I talk about the topic that I'm about to address, and it's probably the third time in the last two years that I've addressed it. And it's in reaction to questions people are asking me about this, and that is car subscription services instead of buying or leasing. People have become very comfortable subscribing to most anything. And a car is like a new frontier in this. And it's something that started off in, I guess it was early 2017 that the first efforts at car subscription services appeared in the market, and they were all aimed at the ultra-luxury market for very wealthy people that cars were just looked at as a luxury item they spent money on. And so you could sign up with one of these services and pay a fee of up to a couple of thousand dollars a month, typically from $1,000 to $2,000 a month, and that would make available to you a fleet of vehicles that you could change out of whenever you wanted. So if you wanted a sports car today, you could have that. You want a pickup truck tomorrow, you could have that. You want a luxury SUV the day after that, you could have that. And now they've learned they can't let people change that often because the labor costs of the changeouts is too high. But you're allowed multiple times in a month to change the vehicles out. But very expensive programs. But as with many things that start off as an innovation for rich people, or people who waste money like they're rich, there are now more and more of these subscription services that are competitive with what it typically costs for a vehicle per month. Depending on which analysis you believe, the cost of having a vehicle all in is $700 to $900 a month. Well, let's just call it $700 a month. So now they're starting to appear car services, subscription services, that include insurance and maintenance and all the fees involved with no long-term commitment typically at 5 to 700 a month so now we're talking so if you're somebody who is someone who's perma in a vehicle payment being able to flex with vehicle needs that you'd have over the course of a month from a sedan to an SUV to a van to whatever, you're able to do so in these programs. The difference is the ones that are in the price ranges more of mere mortals are not going to be luxury vehicles. They're going to be run-of-the-market regular vehicles that you're able to pick and choose among. And having the ability to have the insurance included and all maintenance and all that 
is very appealing, particularly to people who have been convenience leasers. Lessers, leasers, whatever. People who, who out of convenience over all else have leased vehicles, even though usually leasing a vehicle is a recipe for financial disaster. But again, this is for the convenience kind of person. The best answer, though, remains for you to buy a vehicle and drive it till the wheels fall off. If it's about money, driving a vehicle for a long, 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 long time and buying one used as well is the best ticket to preserve your wallet. Tanya is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Tanya. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, Tanya. How can I be of service to you today? So I'm trying to uh, look into consolidating some high, high interest credit cards. And my question is, would it be better to possibly apply for a new credit card with an 18-month zero interest balance transfer or to use maybe like a private peer-to-peer company for consolidation? Right. Well, that is, that's a great question that the answers determined if you were to move money to a 0% offer, gave you 0% for a year and a half, could you pay off the debt or a substantial amount of it in the 18 months? Yes. If you could do that, then I'm a big fan of you doing the balance transfer. Okay. And my question with that is not knowing, I guess, if I apply for the credit card and the balance transfer, not knowing, I guess, what the amount that I'll be financed for. Right. Do you know what your current credit score is approximately? It fluctuates between 709 and 721. Over the last year, it's been fluctuating between those numbers. Okay. So you're kind of on the bubble about how much limit they'll give you with a score in the low 700s. It's very likely with a score in the low 700s, you'd be approved, but impossible to tell how much balance you'll be able to transfer over. So are you worried about the hit on your credit score from doing the application? Because that would then then affect what you would be able to do with Prosper or Lending Club if you you had uh, balance still out there. That's a tough scenario you painted for me. I don't know that it would be a bad idea to apply. I think it would be fine, actually. Let Let me put it straight out. It would be fine for you to apply for that 18-month 0%. Is there a 4% balance transfer fee on it? Uh, Most of them do have the 4% transfer fee, but I believe there was one that was offering uh, for the first six months a 0% transfer fee. Okay. So if you were to go ahead and transfer over whatever balance they would approve, let a couple of months pass, you'll probably see some recovery from your credit score for the new credit application. Mm-hmm. And then you could do Prosper Lending Club for potentially much of the remaining balance left on the old cards at the high interest rates. Okay, okay. So go for the balance transfer first, pay off what I can pay off with that, and then go through Prosper Lending Club. Yeah, and you could wait. You don't have to wait the 18 months. I mean, just in a few months. You'll see some recovery from your credit score from this new credit app. And then if you're at 720, you would be considered to be a good credit risk 
with Prosper Lending Club, and you'd probably be good to go doing uh, funding there that would pay off the remaining credit card balances on the ones that are ticking away at the high interest rate. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much. That was that was my question. And I did want to ask you, are you monitoring your score on Credit Sesame or Credit Karma? I do, but I, I mainly monitor it through my bank. Oh, so each month you get their version of the FICO score. Correct. That's perfect. That's great. Okay. And that variation you talked about that seems to be about 12 points mm-hmm. from low to high, the likely yes. reason for that variation is based on percent of available credit you're using would lead to a change in your score month to month in that kind of general range. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering why it fluctuate like that, but I've noticed over the last year, it, you know, it's fluctuating between those two numbers, 709 and 721. Yeah. Simply based on the balance each 30 days. That's what causes that shift. Rodney is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Rodney. Hi, how you doing? Great, thank you, Rodney. You are going to retire at an age lots of people are going to be green with envy over, aren't you? Well, I'm a public school educator, and um, as far as my state pension, I'll have enough to live pretty much the way I am now, as far as the money I'm going to be getting per month. But um, the concern is medical insurance as until 65. And so talking to some of my colleagues, of course, a lot of people are working beyond just for the medical insurance. And just wanted to check with you of some options I might not be aware of. So the options have become more limited for what you can do. So how early are you thinking of retiring? What age? 55. All right. So let me just lay out bare facts. Health insurers don't want to insure anybody past about their 50th birthday. Because as as we get older, we have more things that wear out in the body and we can end up with more medical expenses. And they just just don't want to have to deal. So as we're in this never-never land right now, with Obamacare still existing, but the Republicans wanting to kill it off... We have fewer insurers available for you to buy on the exchange. And so I don't have a clear crystal ball how to predict for you what's going to happen with the individual health insurance market. So are you retiring in the next year or how soon are you thinking? Five years. Oh, oh, five years? Don't worry about it. Okay. Don't worry about it because, you know, the political dust will settle on the individual health insurance market, I'm guessing, in the next couple of years. Okay. And so... Yeah, I just know a lot of educators, as they, they've tried to retire and they end up coming back to work because of the health insurance situation. Right. And I understand that. You know, it, it is brutally tough in your 50s and early 60s because... You know, with insurers not wanting to insure anybody past their 50th birthday and Medicare not starting to age 65, there's this 15-year window that has become very, very hard to be able to get health insurance and be able to afford it. So with a five-year horizon here, I would say it's a question mark that is unresolved at this time. And you just need to let the clock run for a while 
to see where we end up on how individuals will or won't be able to buy health coverage. Well, it's, it's, uh, at least it's a little bit of good news. It sounds like you think the, the dust will settle in a couple of years for more options. Well, you know, I don't know how the dust will settle. Yeah. But right now, there's no way to answer the question where you'd be five years from now if you'd have to keep working involuntarily just to get health benefits or if there will be a viable way for you to have health coverage. And that's just not clear at all. So give the clock some time to run. Okay, great. Well, I appreciate all you do for us. Well, thank you. And I wish I could give you a rock-solid answer what to do. But this is one of those things none of us can control right now, and we just got to let it play out. Julie joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Julie. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely, Julie. How can I serve you today? Well, um, I'm in charge of our high school's um, after-graduation party where we host a kind of a lock-in for students who are graduating, keep them safe at night. And at the end of the night, if they stay the whole night, we give away wonderful prizes. And I have about an $8,000 budget and we find that they love the electronics, such as TVs, speakers, things like that. My question is, if I don't need the prizes until early June, would it pay to shop now with all the sales leading up to Christmas, or would it be better off waiting because technology changes so much? It would be smarter to wait because we'll go through several cycles of price cuts on electronics. You know, I think about year by year, Let's take TVs, which are the one that's, when you look at the recent Black Friday sales, the TVs were the thing that people were really out there specifically looking for the most. The TVs that were a deal this year are so much more capable than the ones that were available just 12 months prior. So for you, giving it some months to run will be to your advantage. And one of the things that's to your advantage with electronics is electronics are not as popular as the weather gets better around the country as places hit springtime. Okay. So uh, your timing will probably be very good for a lot of the electronics because what a lot of manufacturers do and retailers is they close out the old models when we move out of the cold weather season and you'll have any of a number of very good deals that will come along. And what I'd like for you to do is go on your computer, print out the prices today that are some of the hyper-sale items that are available right now, and just file those away. And then when you get to spring and you're looking to buy things, you'll have those reference prices, and you'll say, oh, 55-inch TV, you know, back during the Christmas season was 300 and whatever dollars. Now I can get one for 200 and something or whatever. You'll be able to... With those reference price points, you'll know when something, as you get out of winter, will be a real deal and buy it. Oh, great idea. And, you know, we've got our Clark deal site, and we've got a number of competitors that have deal sites that you can follow the prices as you get closer to this teen event, and you'll know when is the best time for you to lock in and buy on various things. It won't be everything all at once. Okay, Well, I appreciate your information. Thank you so much. Sure. How does it work, by the way? Do the bribes work? Do the kids stay? 
They do. We get, um, each year I've been doing this for several years now, and we get probably like 96, 97% of the graduates who attend and stay till 4 a.m. because these prizes are, you know, good prizes. And who knows, I mean, how many kids you've kept from injuries or worse over the years. Right, right. That's our goal. That is great. Good for you. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. So I had talked a few months ago about that it was possible for you to earn some decent money per hour doing surveys. I think it was in response to a caller's question. Was there any survey site that was real? And I talked about one called Mechanical Turk, or as many people call it, M-Turk. And somebody uh, let me know after I did that that there was a New York Times report that said that M-Turk is basically a complete waste of your time and that you'll make on average 97 cents an hour. And so the individual who heard me talk about it on the show was like, hey, you need to check your facts, buddy, basically. Well, I want to direct you back to our investigation of M-Turk and Mechanical Turk. And we found that you're not going to get rich, but that you should be able to average about $7 an hour. So not great money. But doing the surveys a few hours a week can pick you up some extra cash, not a lot, not 90 cents an hour, but it's really easy to know which surveys to do because it is true a lot of the surveys that appear on Mechanical Turk are a complete waste of your time. They pay you so little money that they're basically stealing survey data from you. But there's a plug-in that we recommend in our Clark.com article about MTurk that you can use that figures out for you which surveys are worth your time and which ones are not. So when you download this, It will help you know, pass on this one, pass on that one, do this other one. And you can pick up some spare cash. Now, I've been trying to get my son to do this because he always wants money. And he has not picked up on doing this. I need him to get going. Start earning some money. Kids are expensive. He needs to start paying part of his own way. Marlene is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Marlene. Hi, Clark. Um, Thank you very much for taking my call. Absolutely, Marlene. How can I serve you? My daughter is moving from Detroit to L.A., and um, I went online, and there's a lot of services there, but I thought I'd call you. So does Mm -hmm. she have enough stuff for a whole house move, or how much stuff is she actually Well, really and truly, she doesn't have anything except a car. Her car has 126,000 miles on it, so we don't want to drive it there. 
we'd rather just have it transported. Oh, well, that business has gotten a lot more customer friendly in the last five years. And now your daughter can get a quote online for someone that will move the vehicle for her. And there's a huge business of companies that move vehicles from one place to another in the country because Mm -hmm. eBay Motors created this big marketplace where people will live one place and buy a vehicle from someone someplace else. And so there's all these independents that move vehicles around the country. And she can put that out for bid pretty easily at a website called Uship, the letter U, ship.com. Okay. Do you, and you see ratings on people you're going to consider hiring, and you set up an auction period where the price will go down as people, more people enter the picture who want the business to pick up her mm-hmm. vehicle and drop it because they're not just picking hers up and taking it across the country. They're nomadically moving around the Midwest, picking up vehicles and then dropping them off as they head west. Maybe somebody's getting a car delivered to Denver and somebody else to Salt Lake and on like that. And eventually her car makes it to L.A. Okay. And so because now, they're moving so many different people's vehicles across the country, it's almost like a carpool for mm-hmm. relocating cars. The prices are more reasonable than you might think. But do you know how much is her vehicle worth at this point? You said it has over 100,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't checked to see how much it's worth. You should check. How many model years back is it? It's a PT Cruiser. 07. 20, 07. Mm-hmm. You know, it may not pay to move an 11 model year old car. Mm-hmm. So what I'd like you to do is go on Edmunds.com, E-D-M-U-N-D-S.com, and Kelly Blue Book, which is KBB.com, mm-hmm. and see what the remaining value of that PT Cruiser is. And if it's low enough, gosh, it may make more sense for her to sell it and then buy an older car when she gets to L.A., and then she doesn't have to worry about transport. Well, I told her that also, but for some reason she wants that car. Well, then let her see what the cost is on you ship, and then maybe she'll see it your way and my way. Okay, maybe. She's pretty headstrong, huh? She's pretty headstrong and wanting to take it because she's had a lot of problems with it, and I thought, well, let's just sell it and just get another one. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> She's having a lot, had a lot of problems with the car. She's had a lot of problems with it. Has a lot of problems with it. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, she wants to take it? She wants to take it. Okay, have her call me. (laughs) Okay. Seriously, I'll talk to her about it, and hopefully I can convince her that that's just not a good plan, and she shouldn't take it. Oh, man. Joyce is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Joyce. Well, hi, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. Joyce, you are in a situation I found myself in at one point with my mom. Mm-hmm. What's going on with her? Well, she um, had you know saved up some money, about 150000 over the years, 
and was in independent living and then had some issues and is is now in a nursing home. So little by little, we are, you know, digging through that money and spending it. But what they have told me is, okay, when she runs out of money, if she's still here, we'll just put her on assistance and she's good to go. She doesn't have to move or do anything different. So my question is, what am I saving all this money for then? Well, uh, you mean for you, for your future? Well, just in general. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What, what did she save all the money for if she could have gone in there and been under assistance anyway? Well, except a lot of nursing homes don't want somebody who is a Medicaid recipient because that's oh, what would happen. Okay. She goes through what's known as the Medicaid spend down, spends mm-hmm. her resources, and then she becomes eligible once she's tapped out her money for Medicaid to pay this federal state Medicaid program to pay for her stay. But a lot of times, if she's at all ambulatory, a lot of nursing homes put people out on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. You know, because they don't take Medicaid recipients. And so they'll just put her out on the street. And there have been these terrible stories about nursing homes when somebody's cash runs out that they put them at a bus stop and just leave them there. Really? Oh, my goodness. That so would be awful. So your mom is in a good place that the facility she's at is mm-hmm. one that doesn't walk its patients when they're right. out of money. Oh, so there are facilities like that. Okay. It's, it's I, common and routine that nursing homes will put somebody out once they're broke. Wow, I did not know that. Oh, so there's well, a good, good reason to save the money, and she's lucky that she's in a facility that's not walking her. Is it religious-affiliated in any way? Um, no, not really. No, in fact, it's a county-affiliated. County ah, then that explains it. Because, you know, when one has some affiliation with government or with religion, they usually do not walk people. But when one is just a regular for-profit nursing home, they routinely will put patients out and just say, have a nice life. And that's why having your own money or having a long-term care policy is so valuable. Daryl is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Daryl. Hello, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Daryl. You are thinking of trying to either get a vehicle or dump a vehicle through an online service. Is that right? That is correct. Which side of this are you on? I'm interested in getting a vehicle. Great. So okay. what have you looked at so far? So far, I've looked at some of the car places online, and I've also looked at probably trying to pick up a vehicle that's been leased by someone, and I want to get your thoughts on on that from one of the leasing companies. All right, so there's, I'm trying to remember, there's Swap-A-Lease and there's another one, Lease Trader. Yes. And with those sites, what it allows you to do is there are people out there who are stuck in a lease and it's a contract and they, they, uh, for whatever reason, they've been given a company car. They transferred to a place where they don't need a car or whatever. And they're just paying for this thing they don't need and that's the idea of swap a lease and lease trader is you can come in and take over their payments. And as long as it's done right, that you qualify with the original holder of the lease, yes. not the borrower, 
but the company that's extended the lease, the automaker's leasing arm or a bank leasing arm, then it's a great thing because you have an ultra, almost like a, a long-term rental, ultra-short-term lease. Oh, okay. Okay, sounds great. As long as, remember the as long as, <laughs> long as. everybody okay. is all in and everybody signs off on it. Gotcha, gotcha. How long do you want to have the vehicle? Uh, probably just a couple of years, I think. Just probably just two, two years to anywhere from 18 months to two years. Because my brother had a need for a vehicle for six months and couldn't make either of these work for him when I was giving it to him as an idea. And he just went and bought an ultra-used car and owned it for six months and then sold it. So it's got to fit your situation. And if you can get one of these to fit you for the two-year period, that's like potentially an ideal length of term for the person trying to get out of the lease and for you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ron is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ron. Hi, Clark. It's such a pleasure to talk to you, and I just want to say I really appreciate what you and your staff do. Well, you were kind to say that, and I understand that you are someone who has a giving heart. I would like to think so. Um, First off, a little background. I'm 47 years old with a business degree and about 25 years working a job I just don't like but I'm in a financial position where I can afford to quit. And I really want to spend my time teaching people about balancing their checkbook, doing a budget and improving their lives by learning about money. And my, my question to you, I, I don't really want to be a CFP because I don't want to manage and sell securities. That's not where my, my heart is talking to me, but I think probably something like a consumer credit counselor is a better fit but I know that industry is filled with a lot of scams and I don't want to go that route. And so I'm wondering what advice you might have for both in general and maybe organizations that, that I can be involved with to be a legitimate. All right. I'm, I cannot tell you how much I love this sentiment. This is really great. And I've talked about an organization before Uh, gosh, long ago, called Financial Beginnings. Have you heard of Financial Beginnings? Have you seen them in your search? I have not. So it's financialbeginnings.org. And what they're about is getting people when they're young and teaching them the basics of of how to handle money, exactly what you described. Mm -hmm. Not to the extent of, 
of helping with the, putting the fires out for people who are already in trouble with debt, their emphasis is much more about teaching to both uh, young people, school-age people, and adults to understand the best ways to handle their money. Mm-hmm. And I would love for you to, to scout out what they're up to and see if it fits what you hope to accomplish. It sounds like a great idea, and I haven't found them. I found other national associations in that area, but not them. So, Yeah, financial beginnings, I mean, when you said that, it just felt right. Mm-hmm. And okay. so you talk about the other thing, uh, affiliates of the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. I'm not aware of them having a volunteer component to what they do. But they're dealing, they're the firefighters. They're dealing with people whose financial lives are already on fire, trying to help them put the flames out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if NFCC has a role for volunteers or not. Okay. But I kind of like the really positive teaching kind of thing of financial beginnings. Okay. I will check them out. And uh, you may be aware, I mentioned from time to time, that we provide advice to people as well off air. It's something we've been doing for 25 years, and we have a team of people who do that, uh, providing advice and counsel to people who call in as members of Team Clark. And you can see how to get free off-the-air advice at Clark.com. But for you, Ron, you know what else occurs to me? There's nothing wrong with you going to work for an NFCC affiliate, unless you don't like getting paid now that you've made all that money. <laughs> my, my thought is actually to open up, if I can find some funding for it, open up an office locally in my city and sit down with people in neighborhoods around I, where I live and help them face-to-face. Huh. Okay. Well, then I think the first I mentioned might be the best. And congratulations to you by in your 40s being at a point where you're completely financially independent and you can now spend your days serving others. That's really great. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.